0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Uh, We're zooming into the first full weekend of preseason games as we record here on Thursday the 10th. So by the time you hear this, we'll have seen a lot of results. But uh, we'll talk about a little bit the games going on this weekend, all that. But some other things happening as well. The premiere of Hard Knocks or maybe it's the New York Jets uh, infomercial or the Aaron Rodgers infomercial. Uh, But the first episode was really well done and we'll talk about that a little bit uh we got some veterans that have been kind of veteran free agents that have kind of been sitting out there uh starting to sign still a bunch still available we'll hit on that a little bit um and uh, we'll talk a little uh i guess old school coaches versus new school coaches and kind of where we're at in the nfl right now and to that end uh bring in alex here um out of D.C., just some weird stuff happening at, at a press conference where uh, Ron Rivera, I don't, you know, I didn't hear the question that was posed to him. But I guess just kind of the context was that perhaps there were some players going to the head coach, either complaining, commenting. Again, we don't know everything, but just from what we've heard, uh, Eric Bieniemy tougher on them than maybe they expected or maybe he his style was a little bit different and uh you can say what you want about eb and there are a lot of things happening there but just old school versus new school alex uh wh- where do you come down on this and uh we'll get into some of the specifics
1: i remember a story i was in high school uh, i was i played soccer back in the day we had an old school it's coach football. For three years that I was I was on varsity soccer and he got the best out of everyone. Whether it was an average player or a star player or a you know a bench player, he always rode everyone hard and wasn't satisfied with the win. So if we won one to nothing, he felt like we should have won three to nothing. Okay. If we lost, he would rip us. And he got results. We went into the playoffs every year that I was on the varsity team and I just I always remember that and I always I look back now and I appreciate him we weren't going to the world cup we weren't gonna make it and get a scholarship to go to the university we weren't gonna make money doing this but I really appreciated him because I think he was at that time he was at the school he was a soccer varsity coach for over like 15 years and when I got there I heard many stories and then I saw it firsthand and I felt like he got results we were talented but the fact is he motivated us he challenged us mentally he challenged us as young men it wasn't like you know offensive in any way but I felt like he always wanted to get the best out of everyone. And to me, that's what Eric Biennami is trying to do. He's trying to change the culture in these in Pansy Washington. A team that has been so atrocious for years. I mean, what is it? Ron Rivera has has gone, has made the playoffs with this team once. They've been in the playoffs what once in, in the last like 10, 12 years? This team is pathetic. And the fact that these guys would go behind the offensive coordinators back to the head coach complaining to him like little girls. I mean, I just I don't understand this. They had Scott Turner before. He didn't get results for three years with this offense. I want a positional or a coach to be up front. I want him to be honest. I want him to ride these veterans. I want him to get the most out of these players that are making a bunch of money and are not winning. It's time to change the culture in Washington. This is the reason why Ron Rivera brought Eric B. So he can develop an offense, an identity. And yeah, he's going to be tough. This is This is how he was with the Kansas City Chiefs. Some people don't like it, and maybe this, isn't, this is one of the reasons why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. But God damn it, these guys, they're men, Lou. They're not 15-year-old boys. And the fact is, I mean, they should take this tough love, and they would be stronger for it during the season. This is like, he's been there for like a couple of months, and we're already having some, some drama behind the scenes.
0: Well, that's usually the way it works is, I mean, anytime there's a huge cultural shift or the way you're going to be coached and so forth, there is going to be, you know, a little pushback. And I think just I don't think you can go completely back. I mean, you can't, I guess, just say, you know, old school versus new school because there have been so many things put into the CBA uh, about, you know, how often they could be on the field together and all these things and ramp up periods and all this other stuff. So we won't talk about that. Just That's just because league rules and so forth. But just in general, and we'll just focus on Eric Biennemi for now because this is his name has come up here. And for one reason or another, maybe he doesn't interview well. Maybe he rubs people the wrong way. You know, any number of things as far as why he didn't – doesn't have a head coaching job, and maybe this will go even further to those people that say we can't have him being the head coach or the face of the team. But like you say, I mean, he's going to get the best out of his guys. When he was the running backs coach in Kansas City, those running backs, I mean, you could – anytime – You know, you'd hear an interview or whatever. He was constantly chirping in their ears, striving for perfection, even though they had no chance of getting it. But he was in their ears. I mean, you know, if there's a fumble, we're going to run. If we're going to, you know, push up, whatever it is, just to get used to that. And then finishing. You take it. You take a handoff. You go, whatever, break 10 yards. There's no tackling. You're taking it to the end zone. I mean, that's just the way the play's designed. You're going to score. We're going to do it every single time. And, again, it's an acquired taste. Uh, he gets moved up to an offensive coordinator. And famously, I, I can't remember if it was during training camp or not, but he came out and uh, he, during, a, during a presser, he, he referred to Patrick Mahomes as a competitive prick. And, you know, some people could have taken that the wrong way. And a lot of people probably like ran with things. Oh my God, he's this is the superstar, the face of the franchise, face of the lead, you know, whatever. But even Patrick's like, no, we love that. We, I mean, he is. And he self admitted he is is a competitor. So he he will do whatever he needs to do to beat you, to get that edge, and that's the way he coaches these guys and it's just unfortunate that, you know, some guys just aren't used to that. And I think, you know, it, I'm sure it probably started with some, some of the younger guys back when, you know, they were in Pop Warner and so forth. All that has changed because a lot of this, I guess old school methods is almost looked at as bullying now. So you've got parents, then you've got college coach, and they have to kind of watch themselves. But there's a fine line between bullying and then just coaching somebody hard, raising expectations that we're going to do it the right way every single time because, and again, I'll dig into my old bag of tricks here. You know, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So – again, it's, is it a story? Is it a non story? I don't know, but you've got other guys. And we talked about Sean Payton, what he said in that article. And then furthermore, he's talking leading up to this game. This first preseason game is where he doesn't want to see guys, you know, on the sideline uh, doing, doing interview, you know, they're done for like the first teamers are done for that and they are going to play. You know, you've still got coaches that want the first team to play guys like Andy Reid, guys like Belichick, guys like Tomlin. What's the what's the common theme here? Right. I mean, all these guys have won. They've won Super Bowls. They know what it takes. They got to get these guys ready to go. And they these teams typically you know, come out of the, the gate really quickly. And then the chiefs notoriously, I mean, Andy Reid over his career, you know, September, they're almost undefeated, you know, year after year after year. I mean, it's, it's a thing. So again, taking it back to the and Rivera, the, the weird part of it all is just like you, I mean, I guess you said it off air where Rivera is trying to be kind of like the diplomat because he wants to have his coaches back, wants to have his players back, but just the way he approached the whole thing was just so—I uh, don't know, like like he like he's flip flopping, wishy washy, whatever you want to say. He just wasn't very succinct. Then he doubles down the day after, and he's almost like reading a prepared statement about the whole thing, and that makes it even weirder now. Uh, but, you know, I mean, players Tyree killed, you know, he tweets out about it as far as he be, Hey, yeah, he's going to rise. But he's also going to be your number one supporter. He's always going to have your back. And that's the deal. And you've mentioned tough love just as a parent, you're always going to have your kids back, but there's times where you got to get on them. You know, there's just certain times that, Hey, you, they lack the motivation or the, the accountability and so forth. So these things have to be done, but, um, yeah i it's it's a lot of cultural stuff and so forth but again in terms of the football angle of this um it's just the whole backdrop of just the kind of washing away the old you know redskins football team commanders and trying to usher this new piece in now the The unfortunate part here is that Rivera is probably coaching for his job with the new with the ownership change and so forth. And that regardless of how that goes, the may just get caught up in all that because he was just part of this regime and he'll only get his one season. And you'll have some people that will say, oh, see, he couldn't do it. Uh, He got fired and we, we were all right. Uh, or you know the offense comes out plays well with Sam Howell and he still gets fired and they'll still say yeah he got fired so yeah it, it's it's unfortunate that like you said Alex the guys went to the head coach complaining but uh, yeah it, it, but I guess just old school versus new school what do you, what do you say about these guys that will play their starters in in the preseason?
1: I think they should, especially if it's a new team. Or you're breaking in new players. You're trying to figure out what you have. I mean, you've seen these guys in training camp for like two weeks, and then you want to see how they respond in, in that week one or week two. I've never been a I've never been a big fan when coaches sit their starters until the regular season and then they come out flat. You know, those quarterbacks, they're just rusty because they haven't taken a, a snap from under center in a real game. I, that's that's my biggest problem. I love coaches that let their starters play at least for a quarter, at least for week 1, week 2, just to see just to see how the offense is playing, see how the defense is playing, how the the new players are responding that you signed or the draft picks. And again, it's isn't this the reason why Washington brought Eric B. enemy, to change the culture, to uh, inspire this offense that's been so enigmatic. I mean, they've been horrible for as long as I can remember. I love these quotes. They got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent, though, don't they? They have a lot of talent, talent, but they have a lot of question marks at quarterback. I mean, the fact is, yeah. there is a reason why Sam Howell... They don't have... they. Yeah, they don't have a guy, and they haven't had a
0: guy... I guess it's Kirk Cousins.
1: And I mean, there is a reason why Sam Howell went in the fifth round. OK, if he was this good, they would have drafted him in the first round. So there is a reason why he fell. And a quarterback is the most important position on the field. And then you have who do you have? Taylor Heineke. Who do you have there as the backup? No, it's not Heineke anymore.
0: He's not. who is no. the backup. Uh, Jacoby Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett,
1: Brissett coming from the, you know, the Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns. He hasn't been a starter in this league, so it's tough. I mean, that's the toughest position to to coach, and that's your main guy. You have some other weapons. You have some, you know, talented players at receiver. You know, you've got uh, possibly a couple of running backs, like a two-headed monster monster there. Um, But I want to see how the offensive line responds, and I want to see how the quarterback plays, whoever it is, whether it's Sam Howell. Or Jacoby Brissett, can Eric Bieniemy get the most uh, uh, out of a quarterback, whoever it is? I love these quotes from Bieniemy, by the way. I just I kind of pulled them up here. And this is what he says from the commander's training camp. He, he says something like this. We're in a grown man's business. We're in a grown man's world. My job is to make sure I'm doing the best possible job of over-communicating in clarity. When I'm getting on them... Ain't nothing personal, he says. What's personal is I want us to win. I expect a particular player to be great at all times. To me, that's what you're trying to do. You know, in this NFC East, the the division that I think you can win, this isn't the toughest division all around. You've got Dallas, you've got Philadelphia, which is a good team, but, you know, the Giants made the playoffs, but this is a division that you can compete in. I think this is a division that can possibly make the playoffs out of. So I I think there's a chance if the quarterback plays well, whoever it is, I think Washington has a chance. But I I just can't believe that these guys are being crybabies. That's what they are. I mean, how else are you going to call this? I mean, it's one thing complaining as a high school athlete. It's one thing complaining as a college athlete. But my God, you're a professional athlete. You're making... Millions and millions of dollars, and you're complaining like a little girl to reporters or to your head coach, something has got to change. And this is the reason why Washington is not winning any games. I mean, this is just – it's pathetic. It's just pathetic.
0: Well, that's where the jury – I guess the jury's still out on EB is is really going to be the quarterback position, and that's, I think, where he's going to be able to maybe prove the most – Right. Because the the idea is when he's the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, you know, for a few years, you've got Mike Kafka in in, in Patrick's ear. Uh, now, then last year you had uh, Matt Nagy in in his in his uh, in his ear, Coach Reed in his ear. Now, again, you would see sometimes on the sideline where the would be with him and you know, maybe they're looking at some of the. The, the the pictures or looking at the the the, the Microsoft surface anything just like previous plays and so forth but in terms of really coaching him again the perception is that again it was Kafka Nagy Reed and then maybe Eric Biannimi even though he was the offensive coordinator the last few years so uh hopefully Hal can kind of find himself I'm sure you know uh our Your scouting background and so forth in terms of Sam Howell at a certain point in his career, I mean, he was viewed as a top 10 pick. If he had come out like a year earlier, I think maybe that's kind of where he was rated. And like his last year, maybe last two years, he kind of fell off a little bit, lost a lot of his weapons uh, in college, and it didn't really work out. So I think the talent is there. Even though he went in the fifth round, yeah, there was guys better than him. Maybe they've got a shot with it. We'll see. But, you know, that – I don't agree with you as far as the division concerned because, you know, you've got the Eagles, who arguably have the best roster in the league. Uh, the Cowboys have a really good roster. Let's see if Dak can kind of adapt to the the uh, new offensive coordinator with McCarthy calling the plays now, which you're hearing from training camp. Now he's throwing all sorts of picks and whatever. But there's always – crap around the around the Cowboys but we'll see and the Giants should be improved more weapons Jones second year with Dayball and Kafka now so let's see how that but but again I agree with you that they haven't won anything so they shouldn't be complaining it's not like he's out there with a whip and they're doing two days and they're running hills and they're doing doing all sorts of weird drills. No, he just coaches you hard because he knows how good you can be. And, and if you're not showing it, he's going to let you know about it. But by the same token, if you're doing well and doing things up to potential, He's going to be your biggest fan, and he's said that, and he's done that over the years. So uh, let's see how it goes. But, but again, just again, the overarching thing: old school versus new school. Again, with the the uh, the guys that I had mentioned, they definitely have said straight up that their guys will play. Now, again, it's not like they're going to play the whole game. You might see Mahomes in there for a series or two with the with the first team offense, but they will play in this game. They'll play a lot more. The second game. Probably not the third, because again, you got to get down from ninety to fifty-three at the end of that third game, and you got a lot of positions, a lot of guys competing. You got to see them under the lights when you know it's game time, whatever. Let's see how they they if they they react when real game situations come up. Okay, hard knocks, um, the Jets. First off, let's go here. Alex, I mean, the hype around the Jets, it, it, is it too far over the top? I mean, are, it, are we going way too far with this expecting this team that again hasn't shown much uh, you know, playoff-wise and so forth to just say okay, we're going to drop in Aaron Rodgers and Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, the hype is great. Uh like it, it is too much. I just feel like the, the Jets have been saying all along if we get a quarterback, we're going to be a very good team because they had a great defense last year. They showed that they had the weapons before Brees Hall went went down with an injury. Um, you know, obviously Garrett Wilson stepped up and won offensive rookie of the year. Now they add that quarterback, that veteran, right? And right now everyone expects the Jets, if not to win this division, to make the playoffs. And the expectations are great. And I think the coaching staff and just the organization as a whole would love would love to keep those expectations down. But they're on hard knocks. They're everywhere. It's tough to kind of pass on this. You see Aaron Rodgers, and we haven't seen this Aaron Rodgers before. It's almost like he's transformed and he's trying to be a different guy. He's like, I've been misunderstood all all my you know time that I've been with the Packers. That's not who I was. I'm going to be a different guy. I'm going to motivate this young team. So just in general, it just looks like if the Jets don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a disappointing season. But the expectations are too great sometimes where a team just can't possibly live up to it. Do you expect this defense to continue to be as good as they were last year? Mm, that that should be
0: better, don't you think? It should be. They've added... They've added some pieces. It's another year in the system. Uh, They should be, even if they're just the same, that's that's still pretty damn good.
1: I hope they're going to be able to maintain that level. If they can run the ball, which I think they will be able to do, Aaron Rodgers is going to make those plays just because, I mean, he's still Aaron Rodgers. Even though he's, he's lost a step a little bit, he's still better than the quarterbacks that the Jets had last year or for the last like five years. So yeah, the expectations are great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look, the expectations are great and it's not going to be easy to live up to them, but they do have a veteran quarterback who has been here before. um, You know, who is, who's been in the system, who has these young players that I think are excited for the first time in their careers that they could do something special. So I'm going to say this. If, if, if I'm a gambling man, I would put the bet on the Jets for them to make the playoffs. As far as winning this division, that's really a tough one because you still have the Buffalo Bills and across the board, they they seem to be besides the you know, despite all the turmoil in the offseason with Stefan Diggs, they're still the more talented team. But I would put the money on the Jets as far as making the playoffs. I'm not sure how far they're gonna go, but Again, uh, we've already stated the quarterback is the most important position on, you know, on the football field. If you have the quarterback, uh, I think you're going to be able to compete and you're going to be able to to do well. The Jets are going to win some games, but the the spotlight is definitely on this team.
0: Well, the two biggest question marks to me in that division is Tua's availability to the Dolphins and the Jets offensive line. I think we have an idea what the Patriots are going to be. They're going to win all the games that they're supposed to win. They're probably not going to win many that they're not supposed to win because they're just limited offensively. Uh, Last year, they were a game away from being in the playoffs. But again, you just didn't see them as really striking any fear in the playoff team's hearts. But they were still there. They still are able to win games with everything that they've dealt with. But I don't think... you know. they finish fourth. It's not gonna be a big surprise. And you know, the Jets, the offensive line. I mean, if they can keep Rodgers upright, healthy for the whole year, and they can run the ball a little bit, they're gonna be just fine. And I think your bet's gonna be pretty safe. But um, let's just as far as Lou, heart, let, let's just go ahead.
1: let's just look at the, the AFC division. Okay, so I think Buffalo, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and Kansas City. I think those would be, by most accounts, the favorites in each division. And then, so you have four teams there, right? And then, like the AFC South, I don't see another team coming out of there. And then the AFC North, I mean, Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, I think they're going to beat up on each other. And then you have the AFC West, and you would think that the Chargers would make the playoffs. So that's maybe like a fifth team that sneaks in. And maybe Denver is going to be in Denver should be better with Sean Payton. We're hoping that he's going to be res, he's going to be able to have a positive effect on on Russell Wilson and kind of resurrect his career. So maybe Denver sneaks in. And then I would say probably comes down to Miami and the Jets. But I have more trust in Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, because like you said, too, can't stay healthy. So the Jets should sneak in as that 17. What do you think?
0: There's gonna be some really good teams that are gonna be outside looking in. I mean, there's gonna be some really, you know, top of the line quarterbacks on the outside looking in because I just look at the north and you can make a case for three of those teams getting in. I mean, seriously, I, I truly believe that division is gonna be just killer. And like you said, they're probably gonna, you know, beat up on each other. All those games are gonna be difficult. Uh, the Browns, for some reason, tend to have a lot of success against the Bengals. Uh, the Ravens should be much improved. All that crap about you know Lamar's contract. You've got some wide receiver. You've got some weapons that can really put some pressure on the defense outside of Lamar. And, and uh, the Steelers are the Steelers. You know they've added some pieces. They've upgraded on their offensive line. Pickett's in his second year. I would not be shocked if they made a run at the playoffs. So now then you're looking at the East and one of those (laughs) you may just get two teams from there, not three. Like, you know, you would tend to believe because, you know, you've got the the Jets, you've got the Dolphins, you've got the Bills, you know, any combination, how they finish, one, two, or three, whatever, but they all get in, I I don't know. I I just don't, it, it may not happen. So it. This is going to be a difficult one. We have our show where we, we kind of predict the divisions and uh, and the playoffs. I, AFC is going to be a very difficult one to pick this year. That's for sure. But going back to hard knocks. Um, And you mentioned Rodgers and just how happy he looks, how reinvigorated he looks, how much time he spent in the offseason with those young players. I think he's again, we mentioned this in in previous shows where he kind of learned from kind of the drama that went on in Green Bay with him staying away during the offseason and what kind of point he was trying to prove to That front office, where these guys, he's just developing new relationships with, and he wants to make a great first impression. And by accounts, he's made a great first impression on everybody. And and if you look at the show, the, the first episode at least, I mean, it's like he he was born to be there, right? I mean, he's like the second coming of Broadway Joe, but you know, coming coming to the team well into the twilight of his career, so. That's the one negative part. But can you see it where it's almost like Brady going to Tampa? Now, again, they didn't have hard knocks and it was COVID. But Tom kind of transformed from kind of being the buttoned up, quiet corporate dude to becoming like, wow, this is fun, Tom. He's tweeting. He's doing commercials. He's doing all this different stuff and really kind of uh, embracing the new opportunity, the new city. And again, in much different Tampa, New York, but again, just in general, you kind of see that and you almost thinking like that's part of what Roger's thinking is too, is okay. Well, this is Tom did this. He parachuted in and he took this team and he won a Super Bowl. So he, I think he's thinking along those lines and just embracing everything that goes along with it. As far as the, the first episode is concerned, Lee F. Schreiber. I mean, he, he's the narrator. And I think for the first Few seasons of Hard Knocks, I had no idea who the narrator was. Um, and it was a little shocking when I then learned who it was because huge fan of his as an actor. And he had the show on Showtime that was like must watch. I loved it. I rewatched it. Ray Donovan. Now he was from Boston, so he had a little bit of an accent, so it sounds different. But just, just top-notch, the voice of God, he, he, uh, and he never appeared. He never went to any of these training camps, okay, any of the, whatever, 18. I think there was only one other person narrated hard knocks. Do you know who it is, Alex? I have no idea. Okay, so they had the Chiefs one year, and I think it was Herm Edwards, Paul Rudd. Was the the narrator famously from Kansas City, huge Chiefs fan, blah, 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 whatever. So that's just your your bit of trivia for today. But just the I mean, just the way he does it is just perfect. But he had never visited any of the camps. He'd never been there. So of course, New York, a little bit different. He helicopters into practice. And it just becomes this huge thing. And we're kind of wondering before the first episode, are they actually going to use that footage? Or is he going to appear on screen? And he was a big part of it. And talking with Aaron Rodgers and just some weird little conversation they had at the end. And they left it in. And they're talking about... Uh, Northern California and surfing and manta rays and sharks and everything, everything under the sun. And it was actually pretty cool. But uh, Sala, you know, nice performance from him. Nice. So that's, I guess that's what you get from this. It's not so much a documentary. It's more of an infomercial for the team. Uh, Obviously, you know, they edit pieces and they don't go back uh, like the coaches don't go back and do a different speech but you know they have the the ability to you know take things out put things in and but uh, it was it was pretty entertaining for first episode and uh, we'll see it, again it was more the same Aaron Rodgers just happy i mean just you just he's his whole demeanor it, you can just tell he's just so excited the other big thing that struck because then they also had some mic'd up stuff from the the Hall of Fame game And what also comes across to me is like a huge difference. And this is probably like the, the other, the huge benefit. And uh, we may have discussed this before, but it is just the Zach Wilson piece is that he just seemed again, so much more relaxed, so much more in command when he does get out there. I think it's almost like the weight of the world was lifted off his shoulders. And now all he has to do is learn from this legend and, and, Aaron is, is taking to this kind of coaching mentor thing, you know, to the nth degree. So this could be like the added benefit if they do hold on to Zach Wilson or, you know, get him to a point where he can play and they can trade him, but, and he can actually be viable. So, you know, we're, I think in a lot of cases you're thinking, well, man, they, they effed up that pick. I mean, that's, you know, second pick gone, I don't know. Not so fast. He may actually benefit from this this being a tutor or being the 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 apprentice to uh, to uh, Aaron Rodgers here this season and or actually maybe even next season as well, because he seems like he's embracing the whole thing and a lot more confident. You can just in his just his body language and the, the way he carries himself. So uh, we may not have heard the last of Zach Wilson yet. I don't know. I mean, we, you think that'll help him?
1: I think it will definitely help him, but the way Aaron Rodgers looks, like in episode one of Hard Knocks, everything that he's been doing in the offseason makes me think that he's gonna stick around for at least two, maybe even three years. And therefore, if Zach Wilson
0: con- Yeah, he he said he said yeah, he said as much.
1: If Zach Wilson continues to play well, if he progresses, like during the this preseason He's, say he stays around with the Jets for an extra year. I think they'll trade him. He'll be like a trade chip first to some other team. We might never see Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback of the Jets in the future. I just don't think that's going to happen. In this league, most guys, they want their chance. They, they don't want to wait until they're like 27 or 28. They want to get going. So I think during this year, he'll learn from Aaron Rodgers... And then New York is probably going to trade him. I think Zach Wilson is going to be a starting quarterback elsewhere in a year.
0: Yeah. I mean, more than likely, that's the way it's going to go. Like you said, I mean, Aaron, I think he said as much. I mean, he's uh, maybe ch- if somehow they do like win it all this year, maybe he changes his thinking. But I, I he almost like the way he was talking, it was almost like he feels indebted to the Jets that they gave up. You know, they gave up a lot. I mean, he gave up a lot of money. He kind of given back and that was unheard of uh, in terms of taking a big cut to make it easier for them to kind of wiggle around the, the salary cap. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson, I mean, I, I, somebody's going to take a chance and they might get a steal where, you know, may, maybe they only have to trade like a like a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick to get him. And if he can kind of live up to that potential raw talent that he has now, with a lot of the technical stuff, button his game up, you know, for this next season and off season with Aaron Rodgers, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, speaking of veterans moving along, uh, last week we didn't get to it, but I had kind of made a short short lists, a uh, positional list of some free agents out there and in the meantime some of them have signed so this is kind of the time of year if you're a veteran free agent kind of waiting around teams see what they have what they need if there's been any injuries uh yannick and gawkway signed with with the bears uh looks like who Justin houston signed with carolina teddy b with detroit john johnson goes back to the rams but there, a bunch of Big names still out there. The running backs still, I mean, for all what what looked like uh, some quick moves that were going to be made, you know, Dalvin Cook makes the big visit to the Jets. They really didn't include that in, in the first episode of Hard Knocks, but you thought that would have happened pretty quickly. Uh, Kareem Hunt has has made the rounds now. He's been to New Orleans. Bindi in Indianapolis still no uh, no contract Zeke is still out there Lenny's still out there uh, wide receivers Kenny Galladay which you know you probably should get at bargain basement pricing uh, does juice Landry have any juice left he's out there Julio hasn't officially retired so he's still out there um, I don't know Alex I mean do you, are you surprised by any of these guys still being out there and who do you see maybe getting on a team here pretty soon.
1: You know, I'm surprised about the running backs. I mean, we, we've we beaten this this topic senseless over the past couple of years, but I just think it's almost like, a you know, no news here. But I am surprised that Dalvin Cook is still out there. Zeke is still out there. I, I just feel like you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that it probably is a money issue for some of them and most likely for Dalvin Cook. But uh, I feel like you got to get in there. You know, you got to sign and you got to get on the same page with your teammates. Learn the playbook. Get a chance to contribute early because there's still going to be incentives. There's still going to be money, um, like things in the contract that are going to be highlighted. Whether, you know, you're going to go over a thousand yards, whether you're going to score 10 touchdowns. The earlier you get in there. The earlier you can play in week one, the more bonuses you're going to be able to accumulate as far as you know, Dalvin Cook or Zeke go. So I just think that's probably been the most surprising thing to me. You know, players go down. Teams are figuring out that they might be short in certain positions. I mean, Dalvin Cook has got to sign somewhere, whether it's in Miami with Miami or New York or, or somebody else. It just... He's too valuable of a player. He definitely could help this year. He could take the team to the next level, help them make the playoffs. I'm just I'm I'm extremely surprised, but I'm glad that some other guys are getting signed like you mentioned. Justin Houston in Gawkway. I mean those guys are they're pass rushers and they can definitely, I mean, get after the quarterback and still help somebody. So, uh yeah, I'm surprised about the running backs, so. though.
0: Yeah. A few more edge rushers out there that you, you may see come off the board here soon. Uh, and again, it, it'll be one year, typically minimum deals, maybe a lot of incentives, Melvin Ingram, uh, Kyle Van Noy is out there, Robert Quinn, uh, you know, should, should be a guy that, you know, if he's in shape, any of these guys, if they're in shape and, and ready to play, you know, they want to play, um, Cloudy, I'm not sure if he's signed. I know he's had some visits. Uh, probably going to be another one-year deal wherever wherever he ends up. Uh, but the one that is kind of enigmatic and and it, it'd be interesting to see is Carson Wentz. And you just feel like he's been around forever, but he's really not that old. He's just made a lot of moves and kind of wears out his welcome wherever he goes. You just wonder if there's some team out there that's going to be desperate to bring him in as a backup and supposedly he's kind of, you know, resigned himself to the fact that he is going to come up and come in as a backup, but he just seems like such a polarizing guy. Does anybody really want to bring them, bring him in just with a, Just to, because you see the raw talent, the size, the arm strength, you know, everything that, you know, we saw, you know, that first season in Philadelphia until he got hurt you're like, Wow, this could be a superstar. Where did all that go? Is it just between the ears? I mean, I do you see him maybe resurrecting his career or signing you know another multi maybe not multi million dollar deal, but it, you know, hey, even if he signs for like you know, like five or six million as a backup, he's doing this thing right.
1: Well, he has failed in Philadelphia in his last year. He. Didn't do too well with the Colts. Um, you know, he he fell flat with Washington. I mean, how many more chances can you get? Where do you think he's going to sign? With the CFL? I mean, that's... I, I just don't know. Like, I don't remember a last time a quarterback has fallen so hard in such a short period of time. Honestly, like, this is a guy about four years ago before his injury... This is a guy that we talked about as an MVP type of candidate. The season that he was having, he was being talked about as an MVP contender. All of a sudden, after the injury and after they they drafted Jalen Hurts, I mean, the guy just fell flat off the face of the earth. I mean, he just looks like a different quarterback. Has he forgotten how to throw a football? I mean, I think it is a confidence thing, and I wouldn't want a guy like that in my quarterback room. I just he just he doesn't look like a guy at this point that I would want to have in there. I don't think he can give a lot of input to my number one quarterback or my young guys on the team. I, I just think to me he's kind of he's kind of a cancer. That that's how I see Carson Wentz at yeah. this point. So I I don't it, Yeah, it's certainly a person a
0: personality thing is is really out there because that's where it seems that gets it. But then even on the field, I mean, he's really, he's struggled. Now, again, every situation he's been in has been a little bit different, a little bit more diff one, more difficult than the other. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one, but to be honest he, again, with you, he's still fair to, to be still honest, fairly young. He's in shape. He can throw it.
1: To be honest with you. I mean, Jared Goff looked like an enigma a couple of seasons ago, right? This is a guy who, who helped take the Rams to the Super Bowl. They lost. All of a sudden, him and McVay have go their separate ways. They seem to to have some misunderstandings, whatever it is, personality thing. Obviously, McVay wasn't sold on you know Goff being his quarterback of the future, but Goff yeah, resurfaced see. with the Detroit Lions and kind of resurrected his career. I don't remember the last time the quarterback has has taken such a, a huge downward spiral that Carson Wentz. I mean, you, you you are a winning quarterback. You know, you're able to take your team into the playoffs. You seem like you're going to be the face of the franchise. And he was a number two overall pick that year that, that Goff was drafted number one. I just Do you remember last time that a quarterback like this that had success... And he had success that has fallen so hard that the last three years.
0: This this badly, where you kind of play yourself out of the almost play yourself out of the league. Uh, I the only one that you can even look at closely might be Baker, uh, Now we didn't see, I don't think anybody saw him as an MVP candidate, but that second year in Cleveland, it looked like maybe the light came on a little bit. He started playing, wasn't turning it over as much, getting the ball to his guys. They get to the playoffs, they win a game. uh, They bring the chiefs to the brink, you know, in the, in the divisional round and you think, okay, here, this is it. I mean, here we go. But then it just started to unravel and it's a personality thing. So from that perspective I can see some parallels because he is he still has the physical ability and again it it was kind of it was it was both and again it does parallel a lot because both picks were were semi-controversial based on different reasoning where Baker you didn't see him as a number one overall pick because of maybe his size or you know, maybe he wasn't quite the athlete, whereas Wentz coming from an FCS school, but had all the physical abilities and then they, they look good for a while. Now, Baker, maybe not quite as good. So that would be the, the only one that I would say is close. But Baker has this might be his last chance to start with Tampa. Um before he, you know, before his TV career takes off in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, he becomes the the face of the Big 12 on whatever network they're, they're being featured on. But, uh, yeah, that would be the only one, I would say. He and, he and Baker, I, I would say, would be the closest at this point.
1: That's actually a good one. But the only thing is... Wentz had more success early on in his career. Baker right. struggled, yeah. oh, it's not exact. Baker yeah. struggled, then Stefanski came and they had that one good season, and then Baker once again uh t- took a step, you know, backwards, you know, after the injury. Carson Wentz was good for a couple of years until that injury, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Eagles drafting another quarterback affected him more than I think anything else. And after that, you would think that after you switch to a different team, you go to another franchise, you would think that, you know, they would build your confidence up again. They would believe in you. They would think you're the guy, like with the Colts. They actually believed that he was going to be their guy. They can resurrect his career, and it just didn't happen. You know, he fell flat. You know, it just, it, it was tough to watch. At times, you know, I think they went 9-8 and eight that year. But that last game against Jacksonville was just atrocious when the Colts were trying to get into the playoffs. It's just, I don't remember the last time when a quarterback proved himself at this level for a couple of years. They talked him up. They said that he was going to be one of the young, up-and-coming stars, a quarterback, the face of the franchise for the Philadelphia Eagles for the next 10 years. All of a sudden, psh, this guy's probably looking for a job, and he's going to be playing in the CFL in a couple of years.
0: So when you see these, guys, these young guys, and you start to see a little bit of success, and then you see like, say these other guys with relatively equal talent, and it kind of unravels, you just have to stop and remember how hard this is to really be that good at that position in this league is i it, 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 it's hard to quantify that's why these i think that's why these shows are so captivating especially the the quarterback show on Netflix and you know more and more guys are turning it down and i think because they they may see it as a distraction or, or maybe, you know, if we pull back the curtain, yeah, I don't want you to see, you know, all this stuff that I do or what I what I do in between time or what I'm not doing in between time because I'm either not willing to do it, not whatever, whatever it happens to be. But a lot of people, a lot of these top names are turning it down but it is not easy and and, it, and if it was you'd see a hell of a lot more guys being successful it is very difficult and uh yeah for these guys you feel bad for them hopefully like i said baker's this opportunity works out uh as far as Wentz is concerned i it's going to take a special coach to say, yeah, let's bring him in because you just don't know what you're getting. And is it going to be that cancer? Like you mentioned, Alex, in the locker room and you don't want to upset. You don't want to change the whole vibe in that room for sure. So, uh, yeah, should be interesting to see. But there'll be a bunch of other guys. Is there anybody this weekend that you that you that you want to see or that you really interested in in looking forward to seeing how they do on the field?
1: I want to see Anthony Richardson. Uh, with the Colts, I think he's going to get the start. He's going to get the nod, and I just want to see the this this dynamic, talented. I can't call him a quarterback. I just, this this dynamic, talented athlete playing the quarterback position. We've seen these athletes succeed lately. You know, we've seen Lamar Jackson take his game up a notch. We've seen Jalen Hurts take his game up a notch and become the passer, become the quarterback, because early on in their careers, these two guys were known as the runners. So I think Anthony Richardson is going to be that next great athlete playing the quarterback position, but I want to see these these highlight plays. That's what I expect, and I think during the preseason, he might deliver. I think he he will struggle with accuracy early on. I'm sure he's going to miss a couple of easy throws, but I just I expect him to like run away from the defense. You know, take it 80 yards, and that's why I think he's one of the guys that you might want to highlight as your backup quarterback in fantasy. Because I think as the season moves along, he might have a lot of fantasy relevance for your team if you have a solid starter but you know he's going to bring that that element of you know scoring touchdowns on the ground and getting a lot of yards on the ground so it's um I, i'm excited to see Anthony Richardson there is a reason why he was drafted number 4 overall he has you know a head coach that believes in him he has a head coach that had success you know as the offensive coordinator with the Eagles who you know, obviously, you know, took Jalen Hurts' game to another level. I think they might have success here. So I just want to see this this dynamic, this offense, just in general, that's going to be built around Andy Anthony Richardson's skill set.
0: The unknown is the big is the big thing. That's the, a lot of the what draws people in, right? So, I mean, all the rookies or first-year guys or guys that were injured last year and weren't able to play or were on the practice squad and they're kind of making that leap. Um, so, you know, a guy like the, for the Jets, Jermaine Johnson, that was a very high draft pick, pass rusher, be interesting to see, you know, is he going to be healthy? Are they going to actually trot him out there? You know, Bryce Young, first overall pick, I think the Panthers have announced him as as day one starter. Is he going to play more than likely? Yes. He's a rookie, new coaching regime, the whole thing. You know, it, it's probably not going to be maybe a full quarter, maybe less. But just, you know, you just want to see you just want to see it now because you've been hearing about it in, in camp or whatever. You want to see him. And of course, I have to play Homer. I do have to pick my uh, rookie of choice or actually second year guy didn't play last year for the Chiefs. But again, you're just hearing you know, a little bit of hype around the name. But Justin Ross the wide receiver from Clemson that was high school, all everything was tremendous at Clemson in, in big games. And then the injuries came and, and, injured again last year, you know, wasn't quite ready. I uh, was on the practice squad most of the year, you know, IR practice, but whatever, but he seems healthy. I just can't wait to see this kid play. Is he as good as what's been happening in camp? Uh, I know Mahomes is going to play like a series, so we might not see Ross and him together, but, uh, uh, who knows? Maybe Blaine Gabbert will hit him with a few big passes, but, uh, yeah, that's my guy for, uh, for this weekend. You're, You're such
1: a homer, Lou. You're such a homer. Yes,
0: I am. Yes, I am. And I'm reveling in the fact that this team is as good as they are right now. I have to take advantage of it because for 40 or 50 years, they were not. And there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of really bad football, but then a lot of like near misses and we're getting close and oh my gosh, this is the year and uh, it just never was. And now here we are. So, yes, Justin Ross fans, let's. Let's rally around this Clemson Tiger, number eight, number eight in your program, number one in your heart. So for my pal Alex here, I'm Lou, as always, on the way out, Mm Lou.